You're listening to Cross Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord A little bit ago, Colin read for us Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, where Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God of God. People who help make peace are God's children. And that's important to me because I want to be a child of God. We've been studying through the book of Acts and last week we read about Jesus' apostles being arrested for teaching about Jesus in the temple in Jerusalem, probably still in the first year of the church, almost 2,000 years ago. We're, we're coming pretty close to 2,000 years ago. An angel set them free from the jail during the night. And the next morning at the angel's command, the apostles were back in the temple teaching people about Jesus again. And so when the leaders found out the apostles were arrested again. They were taken into custody once more. And this morning, I'd like to read from the same text as last week, just the last part of this story, focusing this time on a man we read about last week but didn't talk about, a man named Gamaliel. So let's pick up in Acts 5 and verse 27. Acts 5, verse 27. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the man be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, 
They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Well, things looked pretty bad for the apostles that day. They were teaching about Jesus, doing exactly what the angel of God had told them to do, and they were taken into custody again. Even so, they continued to declare that the high priest and the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, had killed the Savior whom God had sent. They continued to declare that God had raised that man from the dead. But what the Sanhedrin heard were false teaching, they thought, and absolute defiance of their authority. The apostles refused to obey a direct command from the high priest. And so the high priest and the council were furious and wanted to put the apostles to death. And that's when this man, Gamaliel, spoke up. In verse 34, Luke tells us that Gamaliel was a Pharisee, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people. In Acts 22, verse 3, we learn a little more about him when the Apostle Paul will say that Gamaliel was his teacher. He studied under Gamaliel as he was being trained in the Jewish law. Gamaliel had been a renowned teacher among the Jews since before Jesus began his ministry. In fact, his prestige was such that he is mentioned in the Mishnah, a collection of rabbinical teachings on the Jewish law written around the end of the 100s A.D., so maybe 150, 160-ish years after the events of Acts 5. The Mishnah says about him, Since Rabban Gamaliel the elder died, there has been no more reverence for the law, and purity and abstinence died out at the same time. Which I think is their way of saying that to the Jewish mind, a century and a half after he lived, Gamaliel was the last highest example of reverence for the law of God, a leader in purity and godly living. Here in verse 35, Gamaliel warns the Sanhedrin to be careful, to not act rashly. He reminds them of two men who had led small rebellions among the Jews and had been killed, whose movements had then dissipated. The first he names is Thutis. We don't know anything about Thutis other than what Gamaliel says here. We think he was probably one of the several men who led uprisings after Herod the Great died in about four, in 4 BC, about the time uh, that Jesus was very, very small. The groups those men had led had hoped to push the Romans out of Israel. But Gamaliel says, Thutis gathered about 400 followers, then he was killed and his movement fell apart. We know more about Judas the Galilean in A.D. 6 when Jesus was just a boy. Judas led a revolt against Rome on the grounds that Jews have only one king and it's not Caesar. And so it wasn't right for them to pay taxes to Caesar, but only to give their money to God, their one true king. But as Gamaliel reminds the Sanhedrin, Judas was killed too, and his movement failed. Gamaliel comes to his point in verses 38 and 39. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. 
If this movement is not from God, it will dissipate on its own, he says. So there's no need to execute these men today. But if this movement is from God and we oppose it, we'll be fighting a losing battle. There will be nothing that we can do that will stop it because it comes from God. And so Gamaliel seems to believe something similar to what Peter says in verse 29. We must obey God rather than human beings. And so he calls the Sanhedrin to watch for what God might be doing here because if God's behind this, we need to get with it and not act against it. And, he's, and so he calmed down the furor of the Sanhedrin. And I wonder, might Gamaliel, this great Jewish teacher, have suspected that the apostles' claims about Jesus could be true? Might he have wondered when he saw their, uh, their courage to do God's will, their good character, did he see something there that made him look twice at Jesus? We don't have any record of Gamaliel ever becoming a Christian. But hearing him say this to the Sanhedrin, I just, I just wonder. I hope he became a follower of Jesus, but we just don't know. The Sanhedrin listened to Gamaliel. They decided not to have the apostles killed. Instead, they flogged them as a warning. It's a pretty stern warning. And then they released them. And the apostles rejoiced because God had considered them worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. And their proclamation of the gospel didn't stop at all. But verse 42 says, they kept teaching about Jesus in the temple and from house to house. Just a little later, Acts 6 verse 7 will tell us that a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Priests who served at the temple, some of whom were closely connected to the high priest and would have heard about what Gamaliel had said. I wonder if some of them perhaps took Gamaliel's words to heart and saw God at work in this new community of people following Jesus and believed. At this moment, when Gamaliel speaks up, he is a peacemaker. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Gamaliel wasn't a follower of Jesus, at least not at this time. But he was a faithful Jew, seeking God, one who seems to have understood the heart of God to some degree. He found himself in a position of influence between two parties at odds with one another. He did not get caught up in all the rage and all the rush to execute the apostles, he stepped back and considered what God might want to see done here. He acted with wisdom, understanding that in the end, he and the Sanhedrin needed to obey God above all else. And the result of his wise, wise words was some movement toward peace. The apostles were flogged, but not killed. His words to the Sanhedrin saved their lives. And the good news of Jesus continued to spread widely. Well, I, I mentioned Gamaliel to you this morning because God has called us to be people who, like him that day, speak and act out of godly wisdom that brings peace. Jesus' younger brother, James, 
who became a uh, beloved leader in the early years of the church, wrote this in the letter that we have from him in our New Testament. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. James reminds us that God has called us to live wisely. And part of wise living, he says, is putting away envy and selfish ambition and instead living a life full of deeds done in humility. And godly wisdom leads us to become peacemakers. The wisdom that comes from heaven, James says, is, among other things, peace-loving. God's people growing in godly wisdom love peace. And when we pursue peace, when we try to help bring peace in our homes, in our community, in the church, in the world, we plant seeds that grow to produce excellent fruit. James says in verse 18, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Gamaliel, even though he was not a Christian, was that kind of man that day, a peacemaker who sowed peace when he spoke up to soften the furor of the Sanhedrin and to bring a measure of peace between the Jewish leaders and the apostles. And the result was that the work of God in Jesus' name continued to spread so that many people, even a number of the priests, were brought back to God through Jesus. There's been a, a lot of talk uh, recently in our, uh, in our society about the polarization of our nation in regard to politics and economics and such. And we have certainly witnessed political tensions rising out of that polarization this past year. In that kind of political climate, what kind of people does God want us to be? James called us who follow Jesus to be peacemakers. And Jesus himself said, peacemakers are blessed, for they will be called children of God. Now, our, our political positions are important to us because we love our country as we should. God has called us to love our neighbors, and our, our neighbors are our country and beyond, but certainly our country too. But our devotion to Christ is even more important, of course. We must obey God rather than human beings. And God has called us to be people of peace, peacemakers in a contentious world. How can we be peacemakers in a world 
that's filled with tension? How can we demonstrate godly wisdom by being people of humility who, as James puts it, sow in peace? Or even more importantly, since most of us uh, don't live and work in the upper echelons of government or in the view of you know, people across the nation or around the world, how can we be peacemakers in the community where God places us every day? In, in the spot that he's given to us and in the spheres of influence that he's blessed us with. Because I suspect that God intentionally puts his children in places where we can bring a blessing of peace to people in Jesus' name. He does this because he trusts us and because he wants to work through us to bless the people around us. So maybe at your work there are these two co-workers who just can't ever seem to get along uh, and sometimes there's nothing you can do in a situation like that. Sometimes you see it, but you have no influence in the situation. And all you can do is pray for them. And obviously, we should always, always pray. But if God has given you a little influence in that situation, maybe there is something you can do to help calm the tension between these two people to bring their relationship some peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. When I was about 14 or 15... Oh, my dad loves to tell how, uh, how I would get so angry with him. He would get angry with me. We just knew how to push each other's buttons. And we, we do a lot better now, but boy, we can make each other angry. At a couple of key points as I was growing up, though, God brought a couple of men into my life who spoke wisdom to me to help me calm down, maybe see my dad's perspective a little better, maybe not be so angry, maybe act a little more kindly. These men were peacemakers for me. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Sometimes being a peacemaker simply means having a good attitude when everyone else is grumpy. So everybody else is complaining or they're frustrated or, or they're angry with each other, and you just bring a smile to someone one day, and it helps them relax. And find a little bit of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. I heard about a man uh, a few months ago who had a really difficult job. His job was uh, arbitrating uh, between unions and their and employers, so arbitrating union disputes. And as you can imagine, that's a hard line of work because unions and employers just never agree, right? And they don't just disagree, they, they disagree sharply in a lot of cases, and, and sometimes they, they seem to delight in saying the worst about the other side to make themselves look good. And so this man had, had the job of coming in and sitting at the table with both parties and trying to help them reach an agreement, and he was, he was good at what he did. He had a knack for knowing just the right moment to crack just the right joke. And both sides sitting tensely at the table would laugh and they would relax a little bit. And then he knew how to listen to both sides and how to communi communicate to them that they were both important to him so that they began to trust him. And then he would start to help each side see the other's perspective and they would begin to move toward an agreement that would work for both sides. He was very successful in what he did. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are you when you have a friend 
who is finding it impossible to get along with their spouse, and you humbly speak a word of wisdom or counsel or perspective that helps soften their anger a little, that helps them see the good in their spouse a little bit more again. Blessed are you when there's tension in your own home and you gently work to help these people you love so much find ways to be at peace with each other. Blessed are you when you serve as a volunteer or as a worker in a position that helps the sick, the homeless, the suffering, the poor, anyone who has little peace in their life, and you help to bring a little bit of peace through the service that you provide. Blessed are you when you help anyone who is in conflict with anyone else, and you invest your time and energy in bringing them hope and peace and helping them learn how to get along. Blessed are you when you help a friend Forgive the person who hurt them so deeply. Blessed are you when there's tension in the church and you pray and serve and gently work to bring peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. I don't know whether Gamaliel ever became a follower of Jesus. I hope so, you know. I do know that on this day, when he spoke up in the Sanhedrin, he was a practitioner of the art of making peace. God calls his children to be people who helped to bring peace. I believe that if we live as peacemakers in Jesus' name, God will diligently work through us to make this world a better place. And that will bring him honor in the sight of our community. What can you do to be a peacemaker this week? Is there someone you can help just by speaking a word of peace or having a, uh, a peaceful spirit about you as you interact with them? Is there someone that you can help a little bit? Peacemakers bring honor to God by bringing people together. Peacemakers care about the people on both sides of a conflict, just like God does. Peacemakers act with wisdom from heaven to humbly sow the seeds of peace, and peacemakers reap a harvest of righteousness. Peacemakers are blessed by God. Peacemakers are called children of God. In the name of Jesus, who himself gave his life to bring us peace with God, go and be a peacemaker this week. May God bless you. Let's pray. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, who himself loved us and saw how much we needed forgiveness and hope, how much we needed peace with you, our, our God, our creator, in his name we ask you to help us to be like Jesus in bringing peace 
to others around us, to the people who are close to us, and, and to be people uh, who are peaceful ourselves. Lord, this is hard for us. You know that this world has been a contentious place ever since Adam and Eve first sinned and, and uh, uh, he blamed her and she blamed the serpent and, and then Cain killed Abel a little later. And It's been a contentious place, Lord. But you are a God of peace and you bring your people peace. And I pray, Lord, uh, just as uh, we asked earlier that that you would help us to be a light to the people around us. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, be uh, active in us to help us be people of peace, to bring peace uh, to the community, the homes, the the society around us. Lord, give us wisdom about this. We know this is not an easy task. Help us, Lord, by giving us the right words to say at the right moment this week. Help us, Lord, to have a deep love for people who are arguing with each other, even if we can see clearly who's right and who's wrong in the situation. Help us to be gracious. Help us to show others the same forgiveness you've shown to us. Lord, we pray for all this because you have been so kind to us through Jesus. And through his sacrifice, you have brought us forgiveness and reconciliation with you, peace with God. So help us, Lord, to be people of peace and people who help to make peace, that we may be called children of God. In Jesus' name, amen.